I am going to be one of your co-hosts, I am Al Keynes, the editor of HiddenCrits.com, and we'll go down to the very end of the table and work our way back up with instruction. Um, I'm Ben O'Brien, I am from Big Head Mode, which is a website and a radio show in Sydney. Hey everyone, I'm uh, Tash Richards, I'm with Save Game, uh, it's a video game website, uh, and it's from Brisbane, so if anybody here is from Brisbane, woo! <laughs> <laughs> One sad Brisbane person. Yeah. Does the Gold Coast count? The Gold Coast counts. <laughs> I'm Brennan Roberts, um, yeah, editor of uh, Progress Bar. I actually run it, run the site in with um, Thomas Koch, who's in the front row here. Um, yeah, we cover yeah, pretty much the latest in video games, news, reviews. We also do a podcast. Um, yeah, we're also based in Brisbane as well. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> One of the empty seats down the end there was going to be Matt from Digitally Downloaded, but unfortunately, due to a uh, personal situation, he couldn't make it to PAX today. So he does apologise and he loves you all. But you should still check out his website, Absolutely. Digitally, Downloaded. Digitally Downloaded. A lot of Japanese games there. If you like they Japanese do some games. awesome Japanese stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Alright, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to you guys for about 40 minutes and then we're going to open the floor to Q&A so you can ask us questions as well. Um, so the first one is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what is the best way to get into writing about video games. Um, so we'll start at the end again. Ben? Um, well, it's sort of weird, because I didn't start writing about video games. Like, I just sort of fell into community radio as a thing. And it seemed like... I mean, there was no, there was no real career path to that. I've always loved games, probably played way too many games. And I've always done a bit of writing. And it was just this weird convergence of things where it was like, here's an opportunity to do community radio. And community radio, I don't know if you listen to much of it, Traditionally, for people 80 to death. Um, so not a lot of gaming stuff. Um, and so I thought, hey, this is a niche. And because all the people at the community radio station, uh, 2 triple R in Sydney, are all old, they were kind of like, games, we don't really understand it, but we get that it's a thing, so you do whatever you want. And so there was just heaps of freedom to, to do whatever we want. Um, and I was really like uptight about it at first, and when I realised they weren't listening to our show because... <laughs> you know, games. Um, and they're all old. Exactly. We just kind of went, all right, well, let's do whatever. And so it just became, it sort of came bigger and we, you know, have a lot of freedom. It's basically a podcast, except there's something really exciting about doing a live show. But it really was, like, the hardest thing of just doing it was finding where to start. Like, I mean, it's one thing to have a blog. I mean, the trick is just doing it, but then... I thought the hardest part was just building contacts. Like getting on media lists is really uh, is really difficult when all you have is Google. You know, mm-hmm. you might know a couple. If you know anyone who actually works in the industry, that's the best thing you can do. I mean, even today, even when you're on all the media lists, you still have to you know email friends and be like, look, who's handling this game that's coming out? Like Lords of the Fallen just came out. Like I had no fucking idea who was handling that game. Like it's a constant <laughs> battle when you're doing anything independent to stay on top of uh, just who is handling what and are you still on a media list? Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing and that's probably one of the first things you have to do if you want to actually move that next step beyond I've got a blog, I, like, I'm just writing for me. But yeah. Okay, so... This panel is called For the Love of Gaming and for me that's where this all started. So I was very passionate about gaming and I still am. Uh, and I had a look around the um, websites and I thought, we have a lot of really fantastic websites in Australia. We've got a lot of um, fantastic voices, a lot of people who are saying a lot of different things. But I went through the websites and I thought, you know, I think there's something missing here. And I feel like I've got something that I can contribute as well. And I thought I could, I mean, I, I thought I could go to other gaming websites and put my hand up and say, I'll freelance write for you or I'll do some segments. But what I really wanted to do was generate content myself, choose the things that I wanted to um, write about, choose the things that I wanted to cover. So I suppose Save Games started from that because I thought, you know, I did want to contribute to this industry that I love so much. I thought I had something to contribute and I thought I'm just going to go for it. And I think... Um, Taking a risk is one of the things that we as creators, as um, content creators, do all the time. I think it's a, a very wonderful thing to be able to do and a wonderful thing to create something that then lives on uh, in the gaming sphere. Sometimes we create the wrong things, um, <laughs> but hopefully we usually get it right. And um, 
For, for me, being Brisbane-based, I mean, I've discovered that it's very difficult to get on the media lists to talk to people because for people who uh, live in Brisbane, they know we've got some fantastic uh, devs that are in Brisbane, but it's not the hub the, the way that Sydney is, the way that Melbourne is. So there's always that constant struggle to make sure that you're still relevant, that uh, you're always sort of being in the spotlight so that you can continue to uh, emphasise the fact that you do have a website and that you're still writing and that you're still there. Uh, I think for me that's always been a struggle, but it's a, a challenging one, it's a rewarding one, and I'm really, really glad that we're still around for, I think we've been started up in 2011, we're still here, so that's pretty good for me it, so it far. It really never ends though, does it, that like struggle to convince relevance? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? It It's doesn't. sort of like if you don't make contact, if you don't like keep contact with certain people really regularly... It's like they just, I mean, they've got so many other people they're dealing with, they just assume you don't exist anymore. Like yeah. You genuinely have to just send emails where the subtext is basically like, hi, I'm still alive. Yeah, I mean, you always have to send emails. And, and one of the things that I struggle with is, um, you know, always sending emails, following up those emails. So you send something to somebody and then you have to continue to follow up and because they are so busy. And it's not so much that they think, oh, this person's from this top lower tier website don't worry about them it's just you always have to make sure that they still know that you're there that you're still around and that you really would like to cover their game so give us five minutes of your time yeah and because they've got all those pressures of like you know certain targets they've got to hit in terms of how much media coverage the things they're representing gets and if they only have a certain amount of resources and and you're some you know like we're probably more i guess uh the independents scrabble harder to get that information but like we don't have as big a coverage as you know the IGNs or the yeah. you know the GameSpot and like they're obviously the people they're going to want to prioritize to give we their don't, own deadlines. I mean, we don't have the coverage that IGN, Kotaku, you know GameSpot have. But I know that the people that follow Save Game, you know, I absolutely love them. They're fantastic. Mm. They're really passionate. And whilst we might not have the hundreds and thousands of people that visit IGN on a daily basis, we've got that core group of people that are really passionate, and I really appreciate their support as well. I guess one of the main reasons why I wanted to start writing was, yeah, um, I wanted to be a bit more informative to a, like a wider, I guess a bit more of a wider audience because originally, like I was, you know, telling friends, oh, hey, did you hear about this that just got announced? And they're like, no. And I'm thinking it was announced like, you know, a day ago and you, you do like playing games and they're like, no, I didn't hear it. And I'm like, well, if I'm constantly doing this, you know, I may as well just, you know, write a bit more about it and then see if I can, you know, get a few more people, you know, interested in that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, well, and later on I actually bumped into Koshi at EB Expo, I think a couple of years back, and we were talking about, you know, you know, you know being, I guess, um, just more informative with what all the, the, like, the news that we'd like to read and cover and sort of that sort of stuff. And, yeah, we both had the same, um, how should I say, uh, mindset with what we wanted to cover, what games we liked and sort of stuff. So we thought, hey, why don't we just, uh, yeah, like start up our own site and sort of stuff. And um, we started, yeah, last year. We've been going for about a year and a half now. Um, probably, yeah, the main, like you guys were saying about press releases, yeah, being in Brisbane has been, you know, a bit of a challenge, like PR-wise, like just trying to get on mailing lists. Um, and yeah, just just trying to say to these people, yeah, we are relevant. We are like we want to cover what you guys have you know, got to show. Um, yeah, that's been probably the more challenging thing. We're still doing that today. Like we're still trying to build up as many press contacts or form more ties with press as much as we can. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much where we're at so far. Yeah. Um, for myself, I started off with a, a comedy blog. A geek comedy blog, which you know, I did okay. Um, but I started seeing reviews out there, and I was, I was always reading reviews, but I was kind of like reading it and going, just feels like there's something missing from a lot of these reviews. Um, so I just started writing, and that's my advice to you all if you want to get into doing gaming, just write. You know, buy yourself a game, go out and write something. It doesn't matter how terrible your writing is, people will tell you how bad your writing are, uh, is. See, like that. <laughs> so people will tell you, and they'll say, oh, your writing's really horrible and you need an editor. You know, that's probably true, but write for yourself. Don't write for, you know, your audience per se. Just go, all right, well, what do I feel about this game? How do I feel about Spider-Man 2? You know, how do I feel about the fact that the web swimming through the city didn't feel like being Spider-Man? 
you know, uh, just get into it, jump into it, and one of the best ways you can do it is by just writing. When you're co contacting places like PR, just do your best. Um, go out on their websites, troll their websites to try and find a contact and hit that contact and say, I don't know if you're the right person to speak to. I just want to get on your press list so I can, you know, get that information that's coming out about the new games and stuff like that. Um, depending on where you are in the country, sometimes there is going to be media events that they may actually invite you to. It doesn't matter, you don't have to be some IGN or some GameSpot to get invited to those events. They're looking for as much contact as they can get within the community. Um, I think one of the big misconceptions is that small sites don't get invited to those kinds of things because they're small. Mm. It's actually not true. Um, a lot of the time they will actually approach you and go, hey, we're going to do this thing. Um, do you have a staff member that can come out and have a look at this with us? And, you know, hang out and talk to them. I guess that's, that's pretty much the main thing for me. And sometimes, like, they'll have different levels of events that they know different types of journalists will cover. I mean, for the, for the big fancy events that, uh, that might look really flashy, you know, with the free drinks and the, you know, they're in a trendy club, like, that might be for the bigger, you know, publications, but that's just because they know it's going to look better when the videos hit IGN mm -hmm. and they're in a really cool, trendy, you know, bar and there's all these TV screens in the background and it's like, oh, wow, you know, this game looks cool. But, um, yeah, you know, if you're, if you're a gaming a writing site or, like, I find from radio, we just get a lot of access to sitting down with developers because we, you know, because I'm just going to tend to want to actually record a long 15, 20-minute conversation. And their main objective at all those big flashy events is to get as many words from that developer printed as possible. And, you know, in all that IGN coverage, most of it is going to be vision and flashy stuff and it's not going to be as much of them talking. So it's about, I think, like showing... I think, you know, the right, a good PR person will respect... They won't just look at you as a small publication. They'll respect that you will have a different audience and that you'll be approaching content in a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. I think, like, yeah. Mm. Um, so the next one is, why would you want to write your own blog or site versus, you know, going out and having an established site and trying to get onto there? Um, I think that we'll probably start with Ben again, um, because your case is a little bit different to the rest of us because you're a different medium. Um, yeah, and I mean, the why is a really big, I think it's a really important thing, because when I did, when I started doing the radio stuff, the guy that um, was hosting the radio course, who's like, I forget his name now, uh, Steve Mahern, who's like an old uh, ABC radio guy, who said, the biggest thing you've got to always tell yourself if you're doing radio is who your audience is, because if you're doing it for an audience, with an audience in mind, then it's radio, and he said, if you're doing it for yourself, then it's a podcast. Like, the difference between the two is, one, like, radio is a very one-to-one -one medium, like, and I like it that way, because it doesn't matter how big your audience is, because you're only picturing just that, it, like, you're talking to one person, um, whereas, and, and that, that helps push you forward a lot more, than I think, than, you know, podcasts can be very, you feel like you're just sort of shouting into the void, and there's no real audience there. Um, and so I, I thought that was really important, and just knowing why, because it became clear that my motivation was just that. Uh, I wasn't, it wasn't an ego thing. And I think that's the thing you've probably got to figure out with yourself if you want to get into independent game stuff, like, do I want to talk about games just because I want, you know, people to listen to me? Is it an ego thing? Or do I have a new v viewpoint? Or, you know, is there something that I think isn't out there? Is there something that mainstream media isn't doing? Or mainstream media is doing it, but they're just not doing it in a certain way. You know, that's, I think, I think that's the important thing, just to know why you're doing it. Um, and, like, I think we've changed what we want Big Head Mode to be, like, three times in the last two years. It started very informative because it was, like, radio, and then over time we realised that, like, it just wasn't that interesting. Like, we weren't... We probably now don't really even consider ourselves games journalists just because... Um, of recently, like, I, I feel that there's something very, like, conversational and entertainment based about just talking about games. And, um, and by not calling myself a journalist, it, it helps me avoid any of the uh, ethics discussions <laughs> at the <laughs> moment. It's like, ah, I'm not a journalist. Um, we're going to go a whole panel without mentioning it. I didn't mention any hashtags. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but also, like, we all have a comedy background at, at, um, at Big Head Mode. Like, um, most of our guests are also just because of the people we know, are, like stand-ups and improvisers and... Um, we realised it was more fun just having, like, funny people who were passionate about games to chat than sit around and go, 
what does you know what does Dragon Age really mean to you deep down? Like we just re- like you know, they're the kind of discussions we like having you know over a beer when we're you know at the end of a night. But it wasn't it wasn't the natural thing that worked for us, I guess. And so that's sort of what we've. This is a very roundabout way of saying uh, we just like talking shit about video games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose I can say the same game likes writing shit about video games. But, <laughs> um, I mean, when you create your own website, one of the things that you realise very quickly is that you become your own brand. So you are your own marketing. Um, and every single time you go to an event, you have to always make sure that you are saying, I'm so-and-so from, you know, I'm Tash from Save Game, or I, I write for Save Game. You know, you really have to keep putting that out there. If you join an already established website, you, you don't necessarily have to do that because they're already well-known. But for, for us... Um, creating our own websites and it's definitely something you always have to do. And um, on that, you always have to make sure that you're always adapting to the audience that you have at any given time. So you can't remain um, static. You know, you really, you always have to make sure that you're doing something different, that you're changing uh, based on the audience that you have at that particular time. And you have to realise that um, oftentimes you're going to be covering things that you're not particularly interested in, games that you wouldn't necessarily uh, play if you had time. Uh, and you'll also very quickly realise when you start writing about video games that when you first start out, you might be able to write about the things that you very much enjoy playing. Uh, but then you'll start reviewing games that aren't necessarily types of games that you would play. Uh, and sometimes you get to the stage where all of the time that you used to spend gaming when you were playing the games that you really liked is now taken up playing games that you probably never would have bought in the first place, you know. Those types of games that you think, you know, these are actually fun games, but not games that you would necessarily be buying if you weren't in the industry. So um, from my perspective, I mean, you become your own brand if you create your own website. You always have to make sure that you're adapting to your audience. And you also have to realise that um, sometimes your audience will expect coverage from something that you're not necessarily um, that au fait with, so you have to do your research too. Um, yeah, one of the things that we uh, like in Jewish progress bars so is we've got the ability, or we have the ability to you know, cover like, what we like. You know, sometimes yeah, we get the odd article or so that, or the odd press release that might be you know a bit. Eh, I don't really want to, but um, yeah, overall, you know, we we don't have to cover every you know article that we get in our um, in our like emails, mainly because the way we see it is, it's we're doing this for fun. We're doing this outside of our normal work, you know, if we, you know, if I spent all the time or every morsel of time that to cover every little press release that I get, it would effectively become a job and you know, I don't really want to be working two full-time jobs in that regard. So, so yeah, we, we, it, we keep a, a very relaxed um, yeah, attitude to how we you know, cover content with our, with our site. Um, uh, yeah, that was pretty much yeah. Um, basically, if you're writing for somebody else, you don't have as much freedom as you'd like. So sometimes you'll write something and, like, if you're writing for a different blog or something like that, it's going to come back to you and they're going to go, oh, can you rewrite this? Can you rewrite that? And you'll have to go back and maybe do a three or four re- revisions and maybe even remove some of the things that you've said. Um, I've always had the philosophy of the reason I want to do my own site is because I can say what I like. Um, if I say something negative about a game, I'll at least be constructive, because that's what you should always do with your reviews. Um, but it allows me to, to sit there, and if I don't like a game, I can openly say, I don't like this game because of this, rather than going, this game could be a really good game, except they would need to look at this aspect of this angle. Uh, it sounds very similar, I know, but when you're writing this sort of stuff, like you won't have that kind of... I'd like to say forced opinion, but it's really not in that way. Uh, the revisions that somebody else will ask you to do, you won't have to do them because you're writing your own stuff for your own blog. Um, there's really no problem with doing your own site. Um, it is hard though. So if you're running a full-time job and then you're getting home from your job and then you're basically doing your other full-time job and you're looking at, you know, like, how much time do I have between when I get home from work and then when I should be going to sleep? How much time do I have to game? Uh, the other problem with that is a game may come out that you need to try and get that review up as fast as possible. Don't stress about it. <laughs> if, if you're later with your reviews, that's fine. Not everyone can get up their reviews on day one because you haven't had the game you know, for 10 days before it was actually released. It's not going to happen in all cases. It is in some, which is pretty cool. But generally speaking, you're going to be going out there and doing it yourself anyway. And I found that took ages for me to get used to as well, that mentality. Like, 
because we were a radio show on a Friday night, and when, when I first started getting sent review games, like a week early, I felt this intense pressure to rush through it, have it finished in time, because thinking, you know, the game comes out on Thursday, I can review it on the Friday, it'll be the front line, but no one's listening to a community radio show or downloading a podcast of it for the most up-to-date review. Like, if you're going, if someone's going to a specialty site, it's because, you know, they're intentionally going there for a reason. Um, and so, like, there isn't that time deadline. Like, if you, if you put everything you can into it, you know, people are going to come to it because they want to see what you think of it, not because, you know, it's the first out there. It took me a while to kind of get used to that. And now it's just like, you know, we only, we only did the Destiny review, like, what, three weeks after it came out? And I think it was much better for it, you know, because you get time to spend with the game, really form your opinion. Also, like, I reckon for mainstream uh, media, I reckon a lot of the time when they review those games that just ca came out, I reckon if you gave them three more weeks, their opinion would probably change on a lot of games because you... You know, you rush through a campaign and you might the game you played before that might have been a really long open RPG, so a short eight-hour campaign might have a real impact. And you go, oh, that was really great, but really it was just refreshing because you managed to get through an entire experience in a short amount of time. But then a week later, you're not playing it, you know. Mm -hmm. So and This actually leads into the next topic, which is risk and reward. So quality over quantity. Um, you're going to take a little bit extra to review a game? Well, that's good. That's really good. And you should because uh, the extra time you take is the extra little things that you're going to see with those games that perhaps would have been missed if you tried to rush through your review. So if you're taking time to smell the roses, which, I mean, let's face it, we're all fans of games. So I know I, for one, I'm very guilty of sitting back and going, I really like this game, and then trying to basically go, all right, I'm going to stretch it out a little bit because I want to walk around that environment. I want to see everything, you know. Is it something that has a destructible environment? What can I break? You know, what can I run around because there walls I can shoot? <laughs> so, I, I really like the game experience itself. Um, so, I try to kind of go, it's going to take me a little bit longer to review a game, so I can actually drink it in. Because if you're not seeing that atmosphere, um, Borderlands 2, for example, if you were to play Borderlands 2 and you were to rush through that whole thing, you'd only get half the game. If you're taking your time and you're exploring and you're just going out there and, you know, mindlessly gunning things down and then finding all little, these little extra bits and pieces and finding all those awesome guns, you're having a completely different experience to rushing straight through. Yeah, well, um, last week I pretty much put out my review for uh, Sunset Overdrive, and we, yeah, we had the copy, I think, two weeks in advance. I was thinking, great, I could just, you know, rush through this and get it all, you know, ready to go by when embargo lifts. But I thought, you know, how about I just, you know, just take a break from it or just, you know, space it out a bit more spend a bit more time just, you know, taking, you know, look at, look at all the smaller little thing, details in the game as well as um, maybe all, like, the side, you know, the side, uh, what are they, missions, side missions, quests, whatever, yeah. Um, Either one's fine, really. Yeah, quest, pretty, missions, the same thing. Yeah, right? pretty much, yeah. <laughs> What's the difference between a mission and a quest? <laughs> I guess a quest is something like an old grey wizard puts you on and a, a mission is something that some snazzy new... Yeah, it's probably guy it. going to put one. <laughs> <laughs> Does that work for everyone? Are we clear on that one? Yeah. Urban Dictionary, that. <laughs> no, no, I will not. I will not. I will not. It was also hard with Sunset Overdrive, too, because like, there's a big component of that that was multiplayer. And, like, for that review copy, we, get, we got sent a really, like, chunky non-disclosure agreement. Yes. And there were so yes. many specific requirements to like you know there was an embargo for this date and this date but you're allowed to stream content if you want to uh, but only stream up to this mission called hot dog vendor 3 or something you know <laughs> and so I'm sort of going into it thinking fuck I just want to play the game and figure out if I like it or not <laughs> um, and because no one's online it's like if you want to judge the multiplayer thing you have to send your gamer tag to them and they'll pass it on to the devs and they'll Light, schedule up a multiplayer session uh, time for you where it you know if if they lock you in they'll play and talk through multiplayer with you and I thought that sounds awful like if I want to judge multiplayer the way I'm going to play it if I've just bought the game as a consumer I want to have friends and I want to figure out how fun it is like I don't want to be sitting there have, having someone going no this is great we actually designed that for da 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 and so I just thought well I'll just I'll just wait for that one I guess like. You know, now that it's out, I'm, I've, I've got a couple of people who I know bought it. As soon as I get back to Sydney, like I'll try out the multiplayer then. Because 
yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I really feel icky sometimes, and maybe that's just because I'm still independent with a lot of stuff, but uh, dealing with the publishers sometimes, you really feel like you've got to compromise on what you want to do. Like, yeah. you really get used to doing things in an independent way. And I don't know, like, uh, Halo Master Collection was another one, and I'm pretty sure I can talk about that now because the thing ended. Anyway, they did the same thing, though, where it was like, <laughs> don't, you can't review it till this date, but if you want to stream, you can stream this level, this level, this level, this level. And it's like, am I, a, am I, a, am I reviewing this, or am I just like a mouthpiece promoting it? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's a, weird, it's a weird line, and you kind of got to... You know, you don't want to piss the publishers off, but you also have to figure out, you know, well, am I just, oh, am I missing an opportunity by not doing it? it. Yeah. yeah. Where is your gaming integrity? <laughs> <laughs> Second time. I mean, it's kind of funny because you go to events and, and oftentimes there'll be games that you can play and sometimes they'll have hands-on, sometimes they'll have walkthrough demos. Uh, but sometimes with the hands-on, you get maybe five minutes, ten minutes to play this game and, and you'll have a PR person sort of sitting next to you and they'll be watching you when you play it. And it's, it's not good for me because I have performance anxiety and sometimes when somebody's <laughs> yeah. right there, I'm like, okay, I'm usually better at playing games than yeah. this. Um, but it's, it's an interesting uh, way to go about it because some, oftentimes they'll be there and they'll be saying, oh, look over here and, okay, now go up here and go around here. And sometimes I think, no, I just want to go over here and see if I can jump on this rock or, you know, like yeah. go over here. Um, but I guess at the end of the day when you come to getting hands-on with games and you get to review games, it's very important to make sure that whatever you're saying, you, your voice comes through. Um, you know, the larger sites, are, oftentimes people will go to the larger sites because they like IGN or because they like Kotaku or whatever. Our sites, you know, um, smaller sites, people will go to because they want to see what Christine thinks of the game or, you know, I've got a very interesting way of looking at things so perhaps they want to see how I thought uh, this particular game works. Um, and I guess for me, that's always something that I keep in mind. When you're writing, make sure that your voice comes through. Make sure that the, you're writing the things that you want to write. And don't be afraid to put um, constructive criticism in your reviews too. You know, don't be afraid to think, oh, I want to stay friends with this particular developer, so I better make sure that I just, I, I just sort of uh, go over the edges of this review because there wasn't really much good that I liked about the game. Um, always make sure that, and that was fantastic English. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Always make sure that if you have something to say about a game that it comes through in your review because people will be after your uh, take on that game rather than, oh, Save Games just got this review up, I'm going to go and check it out. And that's the thing. Um, again, it comes back to writing for you. Don't, don't write for the publisher. If there's something that you feel like you wouldn't say to somebody else, you wouldn't say to the publisher, you wouldn't put it on your blog. Um, but you are your voice. Don't be afraid to turn around and say, you know what? Everyone else may love this game, but I find this issue and this issue, and I consider if this was this way instead, it would probably be a lot more fulfilling for me. You are the voice. Yeah, it's your choice to make that, to make that leap. You've got to try and understand it. Yeah, did you yeah. just quote a John Farnham song? Oh, no. <laughs> oh really? Oh, I believe I did. That's yeah. horrible. I think I'm getting old. Um, in saying that, we might move on to a less awkward question. I, I just wanted to touch on that quickly. Like, um, John Farnham? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot to say about the the fun stuff. Now, um, on like writing bad review, like a negative review about a game can be quite difficult to approach as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that really hard the first time because once you've made all that co- that contact with the PR people and you're finally on a few lists and you feel like you're sort of moving somewhere, and then you get that one game and you're just like. This is a really shitty game. Aliens, Colonial Marines. Oh, that was that was probably I think my first one when I just. Like and it went Colonial Marines. It went the Star Trek game. Oh, there were just a few, and like you did really your Spock glitch. Yeah. It's what? Did your Spock Spock glitch? I wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> Was why, Spock why in Spock that game? Glitch? Yeah, well, it looked like Spock. Kind of, we had the ears. Um, yeah, it, it's really hard though when you're like, oh, see, I know these people. Like, I have a face to a name now. Like, in a, and I already feel like they've they've thrown me a bone by giving me a review copy of this game. And you kind of have to make, you have to remind yourself, like, no, I'm doing, like, I'm doing this for them. You know, they're not doing you a favour by giving you the game. Mm-hmm. You're, you're press in this function and, you know, if the Amazing Spider-Man 2 game sucked, you need to say, look, Activision, so this game sucked. Yeah. Spider-Man 2, the game, the original one, was great. Yes. Why can't you get it right? Web swinging. <laughs> you know? It's not that hard. Yeah. It's giving my web swinging. Yeah, but it's Sorry. a tricky balance. And also, like... Because you guys were saying before about like choosing what games to review, I find it really hard to um, 
Like, there are some games I just intentionally won't review because I know I won't like it, and I know that it won't be an objective review because I know it's not the kind of game I'll play. So if I know someone that can come on who can give a fair review, like, I'll get them to come on the show. But, yeah, it's really tricky to, to approach. Like, I, I don't play sport games and like you know, or racing games. You know, I play Mario Kart, but, yeah. So I, I, I sort of... I feel like I'm a fraud from reviewing it because I'm just going to... like. People who like those games don't give a shit what I have to say about them, so there's no point in me reviewing it. But, yeah, I remember when we had our first, you know, bad game or bad review for a game. We were just like, oh, how do I, how do we um, inform, you know, publisher about this one? So we were just like, okay, we went through the review just to make sure that you know everything was you know justified into some manner. And we were just like, okay, this is our review. It, yeah, we didn't really, you know, think it was all that great, but I do feel that you know our writer has, you know, made his points fairly here, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's all right, yeah, that's fine, thanks for covering it, and we're like, wow, they're actually pretty lenient at times. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think I've ever actually met any hostility from anyone for a review. No, no. We've done. You, you just feel bad when you know when when you get that contact like a week or two after the game um, has come out, and they go, so uh, did you guys do anything on it? We'd love to see anything, and you know that they probably haven't. Done that well? Like they're really scraping for as much like yeah. coverage. You, know, you don't want to see my aliens, colonial marines, or anything. <laughs> you really I, don't. I sent it, sent it back because I only bought that game. I bought that collector's edition. Yeah. And I paid a hundred dollars just for that damn figure. <laughs> but that figure, that figure is. was good though. Like I you think know. I traded the disc in and I kept the figure. Because nice. yeah. the figure's pretty cool, right? But paying that much for a figure, I mean, I feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> There are games you're going to hate. Mm. You know, it's, it's a factor of life. You're, there's some things you're going to really look forward to and they're going to be really disappointing. Um, I think that that's another point with writing for yourself as well. Uh, you are going to be disappointed sometimes with games. And it's okay to be disappointed. Again, constructive criticism. Um, but don't let it break you. You know, the next game that you play is probably going to be amazing. And you kind of were sitting there going, I don't know if I want to play this game. You play it and you're like, that was a really good game. So you will be surprised by games. And that's probably the hardest it ever gets. Having to play a game that you really don't like can feel like such homework while you're doing it. But you just have to remind yourself, like, you know, it's not always going to be, you know, the amazing AAA games you love or the really, you know, once-in-a-lifetime unique indie games that come out of nowhere. You're going to have to slog through some awful stuff sometimes, but if that's the worst it gets being able to be your own boss and write about video games, then, like, you know... But, I mean, sometimes you can actually turn it to your advantage. Like, we've got a segment called Teapat where I go around... It's, it, Tash plays a turd. Um, <laughs> and I go around playing absolutely horrible video games. Uh, and it's actually sometimes very cathartic. We had one game that was so bad that... It was that bad that I snapped the disc after we finished because it was just... I'd had a really bad day, and then I played that game, and it, that was it for me. So, I mean... Don't feel that if you get a bad game that, oh, goodness, I can't believe that I'm going to do this. And I just use the word goodness. Um, just be aware that you can turn um, potentially bad things to your advantage and you can make a segment about it. And in the end, when you're starting up your own website, it's all about the content. And if you can create something a little bit new and something a bit different, then people will remember you and they'll go back to your site for that type of content. I think that's the advantage we have too with independent stuff is that, like, I mean, at the big sites, when people go to look at the reviews, they're looking at the score. That's what they want to see. And if they disagree with the score, all the comments are like, oh, fuck you, IGN, you don't know how to score. But, like, when you're in an independent site, you have the advantage of being able to be, like, the personality as well. So, like, you can totally make... If you hate a game, then you can make the article out of that. I mean, that's been the best thing, I think, about, like, independent games journalism is just seeing all the cool people pop up who are you wouldn't have known about before and they've just sort of built an identity out of it. Um, and that's hard, it's a hard thing to, like, to force as well, because like, you know, there's, no, there's no one to teach you to do that. You just kind of have to figure out. I guess it's like anything that's independent, like stand-up comedy or being an artist or like, you know, a poet. <laughs> you just have to figure out what, what your thing is and the best way to put that out there in a way that other people can, can get it. Um, so the other, one of the other topics from this is what can this actually lead to? So let's say that you've been writing now for a couple of years for your own blog. People know who you are, you're out there, you've got business cards, which are fairly important. Don't be like me. <laughs> Always have your business cards when you go to EB Expo, kids. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but what can this kind of thing lead to? I mean, we've all, we all know Yelp, of course. 
we're all here at PAX, we know who he is. Um, and he's, he's that really stressed out looking guy that's always running. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> and running backwards and forwards like a headless chicken. Um, we've seen a lot of people over the years who have gone from writing their own stuff into writing their, you know, their own publication, you know, to, to getting that kind of sponsorship and then the, the branding is becoming international for them and then they move on to other positions, be it PR within a games company or they might end up, you know, being writers and things like that. So there are success stories out there from doing this. You can use it as a stepping stone. It's, it's very fluid as well. I mean, and I'm going to touch on it again, but oh. I think this is where a lot of the, the muddy waters of the ethics stuff comes in just because in the game, games industry is very small and you do get a lot of people that will just bounce from games journalism to games PR for a couple of years to maybe back to journalism and it's got nothing to do with ethics it's got everything to do with you just know all these people you know um, like one of the weirdest things that happened to us at Big Head Mode is Carlo who's on um, who's on the radio show uh, speaks fluent Polish. It's this weird niche that he has. He's, he's a linguist and he studies this one language, the Mishurish, that only 40 people speak in the world. So he spends a lot of time in Poland. And while he was over there, he was like, oh, I should email CD Projekt Red, the guys who make the Witcher games. And he did that and was like, oh, yeah, I work for radio. He didn't mention it was a community radio in Sydney. And they were like, great, come on into the studio. We went in, he got full access, he got an interview with the writer. And... He became really good friends with like a bunch of them just because he spoke Polish. And the last two times they've come down here, they've like personally invited us to demos. We've gone out to drink. It's become this bizarre contact. And it's and it's just because they can't speak Polish with any of the press when they come down here. And so, you know, when we get forgotten from a press release or we find out about an event after it's happened. You know, that feels bad, but then it's also like, well, we've got this one really random connection. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and that's what it is. It's about making friends. And, like, if I ever got offered a job from CD Projekt Red, I can't say that I wouldn't take it because I love their games and I have nothing against working for a game I loved. I wouldn't feel like that was selling out, which I feel like is the impression a lot of people have about going from games to PR, you know? Um, so the lines can be very blurry and very fluid, I think, between... I mean, Carlo wouldn't hesitate, because he speaks Polish. If he got paid to go speak Polish and English about the Witcher games, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that, you know? So, I don't know. I think it's interesting, because, I mean, a lot of people do uh, start their own video game websites, or they become an internet personality, and then they use it to go on to bigger and better things. But, I mean... It's okay if you just all you do is just write for your website or for another person's website. If you just love what you're doing and you enjoy writing, then it's totally okay to be doing the same thing. And I think that's something that also for the smaller um, games websites, I won't say we struggle with, but you know it's okay to just keep doing what you're doing if you're doing it well. Um, it's important to remember that you don't always have to be getting more things, more hits, more reviews, more content. You know, it's it's okay to just keep going if you're enjoying what you're doing. And I guess, for me, the minute that I stop enjoying what I'm doing, that's probably will be it for me, because I think I'll move on to something different. As long as I'm still having fun, uh, writing, enjoying what I'm saying, uh, I'll keep doing it. Mm. Yeah, running, the, yeah, running Progress Bar has really given yeah, myself and Koshi a wider, like a broader view of games now. Like, you know, we've, there were a whole bunch of you know, games that we... Oh, that we were very, I guess, confined to, mainly, you know, racing, but then once we got a few more, like, that we got, you know, sent or the ones that we had to cover, um, we were thinking, wow, these are, like, games that we've never, you know, really seen before, never really, we never really thought that we'd, you know, ever look at them, but now we know, oh, hey, you know, these guys do some pretty good stuff here and there, and, um, and yeah, as well as, you know, with just running the site... You know, we get the, you know, the the ability to come to you know to PAX and to EBX to cover the events, as well as you know uh, make friends with other people in the industry like Natash, Ben, Al, and and so forth. You know other friends within the industry, and just really getting to you know, you know I guess socialise in that manner as well. You know that's all you know come from just running the running the site. Mm. And that's the thing you you'll make friends within within this industry. Um, they won't just be contacts. 
um, such with you guys. I talk to these guys pretty regularly on both Facebook and Twitter or wherever else I stalk them. Um, but uh, you will make those friends, you'll make those connections, and sure, they'll be you know, far away. We moved down from Queensland. Uh, we didn't know you or yeah. really when we were in Queensland that much, you know. Um, and if you're in somewhere like Queensland, and you're probably not going to meet the other people who are in Queensland because they're going to be somewhere else. You probably won't even know they're from Queensland. You won't look at their site and go automatically, oh, that person's from Queensland. <laughs> you know, you'll probably think they're from Sydney because, you know, I'd say probably a good 80% or 75% of the media would be, or media, community media, games journalists, whatever you want to call them, um, would be situated in Sydney because that's where the major publishers are. Um, but once you see these people on Twitter and stuff, you can talk to them. So they're not going to just turn around to you and just ignore you totally. Twitter is like the most useful thing ever. It yeah, really is. Cool, yeah. I mean, like, I wasn't even using it when I first started out to find contacts. I was like trying to Google, you know, who the Australian rep was for certain companies. And like Twitter, you can just find everyone, you know. Um, and there's no, like, once you learn how to use Twitter, the right way, like, you know, not, not seeming pushy, but seeming friendly and, like, you know, introducing yourself and you just make so many contacts. It's, it's such a valuable thing for just making contacts. And that hotmail address that you got from, like, 20 years ago or 10 years ago or 5 years ago, don't use that. No. Use a Gmail account. No or, or if you can get a website, website, if you have a website and you can have, you know, your name at yeah. website and you feel so professional even oh, though yeah. it took, you know, five it, minutes. It will, <laughs> it will make you look a little bit more professional rather than that dude at hotmail.com because you're so awesome. Your email address handle, yeah, that's that's great. Deathstalker551 <laughs> at gmail, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Point underscore 155 at hotmail.com because I'm awesome. <laughs> There's no better way to show how serious you are too than that you've put time and effort into something that's yours because, yeah. like... Like everyone, there's so many people that love games and like any sort of mainstream game journalist or like from a big site will tell you how often they get fans just saying, oh, I'd love to work for you guys. And, you know, having the interest is one thing, but just being able to point to something and say, that's, that's evidence of my interest and the effort that I will then follow it up with. Like, it's just, it's, it's a huge difference. Okay. Um, we're running out of time for the rest of our topics, so we might do some Q&A with you guys, so you guys can ask us questions. Um, so, hands up who wants to ask questions. Don't all go at once. Yeah. <laughs> and don't be afraid, we'll answer almost anything. Yeah. Um, we can get a mic. We can probably hear you, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we probably can. I've uh, spoken a lot about like the, uh, the positives and the freedoms that come with uh, not being accountable to it like a big business like GameSpot or something. Are there any negatives that you find? It's specifically about your style of writing and your voice. Are there any negatives that you find not having that accountability? Um, I don't know about the accountability. I mean, those big sites obviously have an inbuilt audience. So um, whatever sort of thing you create, you would get very, very instant feedback, like at a much faster rate than I think you get on an independent site. Independent site can be sort of a slower burn. Like, you get you get the diehard fans who sort of follow your stuff that react instantly, and then sort of it's got this weird long tail on it where random people will stumble across it and, and stuff. And it seems like in a lot of mainstream stuff you get that instant feedback, which could be good or bad. Um, the best thing I reckon you get from a mainstream thing is you know it's great to be your own boss, but if you're just starting out, it's also really important I think to have an editor. Um, you know, it doesn't have to... The freedom you have with being your own boss isn't that you don't have an editor, it's so you can choose your editor. So, like, for some people, it could be, like, a parent, it could be a sibling, it could be a partner. Just, uh, I think it's important for you. Like, you know what your writing is like and you know who to, who you trust, whose judgment you trust. Um, and so you just re you have to rely on that. You have to have someone... Because, I mean, the, most of writing is rewriting, like... You have to you have to be critical just because no one else is going to be. You're in charge of what you put on your site, so you have to try and cast as critical light on your own stuff as you can, because you know you're the only thing between the audience and your content. Um, that's the hardest thing. Just trying to judge your own stuff. Also, sometimes if like something's really hard to get out, like if you spend a lot of time on something, the longer you spend working on something, the harder it gets to assess it. Um, Especially if you're still really conflicted about how you feel about it at the end, and you just have to like, 
you just have to give it to someone else and say, what do you think? Tell me, and then whatever you say, I'll trust that and then put it out. Yeah. More uh, questions? Oh, Well, I was just going to say, I suppose the only, well, one of the downsides of being your own website is that being overlooked, being forgotten, you know, not having the pull that the larger um, gaming websites have. And I suppose then you just have to really focus on knowing the reasons that you're doing what you're doing and always being aware of that and not having or, or being um, focused on how many hits you're getting from a particular review or how many people have commented on a review that you've put out. You always have to make sure that, well, even if no one comments or even if I only get, you know, 20,000, 30,000 hits, it's still something that I'm proud of and I'm happy mm. that I was able to put this on my website the way that I wanted to put it on. You've got to be really patient. Like, I mean, you just got to like yeah, evaluate what your idea of success is. I mean, it's really easy to put a lot of work into something and then when it doesn't go viral in a day to sort of look at it and feel a little dejected. But like, uh, like this is my second time at PAX, and last year, like, just being able to be at PAX as media was just felt in itself felt like a huge achievement. And you just got to look at all the little steps you've made. Like, if you look back and go, you know what, I'm already in a really different place to where I was you know, six months ago just because of this stuff we've done, like, you know, you're not going to be in a mansion with jetpacks <laughs> from games writing. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> Unless you create them yourself. In which case, you know, All the you know, <laughs> maybe <laughs> that should be your main career, not games writing. Um, create an Iron Man suit. So yeah. If you've got the money for a jetpack, you can make an Iron Man suit. Yeah. I hate to go back to the E word, uh oh. But, no, no, no. I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to. Ethics, equality, or equestrian? The first one. <laughs> so, for each of you, where, where for you is that line between having an opinion and essentially being a mouthpiece? Sure. Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, look, I don't get money from anyone. Um, if I feel that something is going to make me seem like a mouthpiece, I just simply won't do it. Um, we do get sometimes invited to those press parties where they're going to feed you with, you know, like, here, have some drinks, play our awesome games. But for myself, if that awesome game's not so awesome, I'll write about how it's not awesome. Um, because I think it's quite easy for people to separate themselves from what they're actually looking at and what they're being given. And I say it like this because... Um, unless they're giving you something like a car or maybe an iPad. <laughs> There's a big thing about that last year. Look it up. It's hilarious. Um, you guys got iPads? <laughs> no, my no, iPad. no, no. The no. guys in Paris, the big thing about the game, and they gave everyone like um, Kindles or something like that, and then everyone was up in arms because they were like, oh, they've been paid off. And it's like, I it's can't, I can't fathom kid. a world where I get given anything of value. <laughs> by yeah, it would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Samsung, you want to give me a new phone? Um, Apple? No? Damn it. <laughs> what, what, what do you think the most, like, what is the, the most uh, tempting offer anyone from a gaming publisher has ever given you? Like, this is going to sound really sad, but a USB stick. <laughs> I know, right? How big was it? Uh, it was a set Size of dog tags, actually. It was really cool. Um, and that was, that was a very, very cool gift. Uh, but it was after I'd already done the review, so it wasn't really paying me off for my review or anything. <laughs> and I actually said how much I disliked the game and what could have been fixed. So I don't know why I got sent it, but they were like, thanks for covering it, here's this thing. And I was like, wow, now I feel really awkward and dirty. <laughs> but it was the coolest USB ever, and I lost it. So, I don't know where it is. Somebody's got some files on there they probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I've kept it safe, Al, don't worry. Damn, I knew it was you, Shane. That's what I find funny about the ethics thing, though, is that, like, you know, getting a free sandwich and a cup of orange juice at, a, at an event isn't going to sway you. Because you're at that event, because it's probably... Sandwich good. <laughs> but that's, like, the only chance you're going to get to play that game. Mm -hmm. And you're there to play the game, and... Most of the time I find all the stuff that I feel like is trying to woo me is just a distraction anyway. Mm. Um, well, that's it. Like, you're going to get a free Red Bull in the street. Are you going to go and preach how great Red Bull is? Or are you going to say, I got this free Red Bull, but it kind of tastes like crap. The, the one, actually, that I like am guilty Bull, of is I will wear press shirt. Like, if I get given a comp shirt at an event, I'll wear that shirt around. I'll wear and I know that there's probably some line there that I'm, you know, I'm wearing. A, but I'm, I'm probably only wearing it because it's a game that I would like and play anyway. Exactly. Like the way that's how I rationalize it. Like if I I'd be wearing this even if I wasn't writing a review on it and 
You know, like I'd wear an Assassin's Creed shirt, but I'll still say that Assassin's Creed Three sucked. You know, like <laughs> if you can still, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and know that you're still being honest about how you feel about things, I think it's all right. Hmm. Wear the shirts, wear the dog tags, do whatever. What about you guys? You guys received anything really awesome? Oh, we got a set of Christmas baubles from Wargaming. Yeah. Oh, we were just like, oh, they were the light-up ones. They were really cool. Oh, they lit, they lit I up. I forgot about those. Yeah, they lit up. I didn't even use mine. Awesome. Yeah. Like, no, you take the little tab out and yeah. turn it on, and they actually light up. Oh, they, they, they twinkle. Apparently, I'll... You change your review score now. I know, yeah. <laughs> Again, something that we didn't really review favourably. Don't know why we got it. Awesome. They're, they're the ones I feel the most awkward about, because they, like, I mean, they've got a lot of money behind their PR stuff, and... Mm-hmm. I, they really overzealously go for all publicity and I can't stand those games. And so it's always a really awkward conversation when I get sent stuff and it's like, thanks guys, I'm not playing this game. The more awkward thing is when you receive something just because they want to send you something cool. They don't have anything on the horizon. They're not having something else come out for like six months, but they're just like, hey, we just, we, we haven't forgotten about you. Here, have something cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really appreciated. Yeah. yeah. It's Although really that's, nice. that is tough though, because that is when, like, I find I do have to keep that in perspective because it does colour my opinion of the person. Maybe not the game or the franchise or the publisher, but the, the person specifically. And you really do have to detach yourself from that baggage when you review the game. Like you can't picture their their hopeful face. <laughs> <laughs> they sent me that. They sent me those Lego Marvel face masks. <laughs> you got Lego Marvel face masks? I did, but I think that's because I bang on about Marvel so much on, uh, on Twitter. I didn't get any of the cool stuff. All I get is a USB. You guys get all this awesome stuff. And some baubles. <laughs> Light up baubles. Light up baubles. That's so cool. I got a sandwich. Except one was a broken in the game. <laughs> so I only got two instead of three, technically. <laughs> How about you, Tash? Do you think sometimes they actually really appreciate your honesty because um, they might always be looking forward to the future and creating a better game? I think they do. I think that they really appreciate the fact that we're not going to sit there and try and, like, you know, ice the cake, so to speak. We're going to sit there and we're going to look at it and go, look, this could have been much better. Um, sometimes they'll actually come back to you and they'll email you directly before you even put anything up. Just going, hey, if you've got any feedback, let us know. Because we, you know, especially if the game's not out for another three months or six months. They might not necessarily change anything, but going forward they can go, alright, well, this is what, you know, ten people have said. Like, they've all said that this particular mechanism doesn't work very well. Like, if any of you here decide to go into indie games, please no more lockpicking. Okay, we don't need it. it we're fine without it. It's all good. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. I really don't like lockpicking. It's been overdone. Same with touchpads, just don't. Um... <laughs> down doors, it's cool. Um, yeah, like, uh, I think it's probably more appreciated by the developers rather than the publishers, because publishers, they're just looking at, like, you know, demographics and metrics and, you know, how many people did we hit and we want to reach, you know, who, which, which uh, press is reaching, you know, the 15 to 23 male demographic and which, which publication is reaching the women. Um, and I think the developers probably appreciate the independent sites more just because... Like, you see it sometimes, especially at PAX when you're chatting to them and they're going through the spiel and you're kind of like, oh, don't worry about it, man. Just, you know, just talk to me like a person. And I think it's refreshing sometimes when they can drop the, you know, they can drop the talking points that they've got in their head and just kind of, they know they're talking one-on-one to someone who's not, who's not just going to highlight what's the sexiest grab. Someone who's actually interested in the game and talking to them as a person. And, and indie devs, especially. Like, there's that perception that... Um, we're colluding with indie devs. The reality is you get more access to indie devs. They're really, they're freely available, they're willing to give you time, and there's a lot of them out there, and you have this great opportunity to be uh, the voice of the, all these game makers who don't get their stuff seen anywhere else. Mm. It's got nothing... The sad part is that sometimes those games aren't very good, mm. and that can be troubling because it's even harder to write a bad review when you know that you know it's four people and they've spent a lot of time on it. Um, and that's the thing, indie devs don't have enough time or money to through like media's way. So yeah, that's the thing. Like, I find that really funny how you know, like, oh, but this person like did this and did that. It's like really time dates, please. <laughs> 
Um, provide me with the actual supporting evidence because I, I know a bunch of indie devs. Um, I, I do hang out with some of these people. You know, it's not the fact that if they've got a bad game and they throw up mine and go, what do you think? I'm going to tell them what I think. You know, there's no point at which I'm going to sit there and go, oh, well, you're my friend, so I should be really nice. Uh, myself, I do independent board games. Um, and I expect that if they play those, they're going to turn around and tell me what the flaws of my games are. You know? And I think that that's the big thing. This scene, no matter how big you are, you could be from EA, you're probably going to know all of us guys. You're probably going to know a lot of the other people in Australia as well. You're probably going to meet us at events. We're all going to hang out. We're going to have beers. We're going to chat. And, you know, things are going to be, oh, we're so cool, awesome. Everything is great. But it's so small. And I think that a major thing that, that people don't realise is exactly how small the scene is between even the US. The US is a big place, but like any workplace, you're going to be working with other companies. With those other companies, you're going to be mingling with those people. Mm. It's going to happen. But, yeah, very rarely you're going to hear of anyone actually being paid off in the <laughs> Mountain Dew and Brew. It is a weirdly small industry, though. Yeah. Like, when you have a, a cultivated uh, Twitter stream and you're seeing the same faces every day, then you come to an event like this and you see the exact same people in the media room, and that's the whole industry. Like, um... If you get amongst it, you can just sort of know everyone. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's odd because I don't know what it would be like in America. I doubt it would be the same way. Mm. It'd be a lot more, you know, yeah, larger. Than, I it's, guess it's maybe larger, but it's still, more. like, very community-focused. Oh, yeah. 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 Any more questions? Because I think we're running out of time. Yes, sir, it's back. I was just going to say, how hard is it to find like a balance between getting out a piece or pieces to make it financially viable and going in depth, going to the depth that you want it to be, to be sort of quality or more quality? Financially viable? Yeah. Wait, people are making money from this? Um, I just make sandwiches. This, this was actually something that we were going to cover. Um, do any of you guys make money off what you do? No. No, we um we might be soon, maybe. Get out. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but probably not much. When it comes to finances, expect to fund it yourself and mm. don't expect to make any money. Um, you really have to love it to do it. Uh, myself, I think that uh, in the last six months I've made maybe $2 off Google Ads. Whoa, $2! Nice. <laughs> it can't even buy me a bottle of water. Um, <laughs> really bad coffee. So I'm not going to get one from that place. Um, but yeah, look, with this kind of thing, you're going to be spending your own money. You're going to be spending your own money on airfares. You're going to be spending your own money on everything, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, your convention tickets, uh, things like this, you're probably actually not going to get these very often. Um, you're going to be paying to go to those places, but that's fine, because you should be anyway. Um, we're lucky enough at the moment to, to you know, obviously be up here and be speakers. Um, a lot of the time we've had to go to, to things like EB Expo and stuff like that and pay our own way, which we're happy to do. Um, I remember myself and my partner, uh, we actually went to EB Expo a couple of years ago and we ended up getting the VIP tickets, which were, I think, $700 or something. Something very expensive, but we wanted to beat all the lines and stuff to see all the cool stuff that we'd unfortunately already seen. But it is that thing of you're going to be putting your own money against it um, and it's, it's not a thing of, you know, I'm going to get this money back. So we know we're going to lose money, but that's not what we're doing it for. We love doing what we do. And not even just the money, but time as well, like, because obviously you, you're going to need another source of income. So, like, that's really frustrating sometimes when, you, you know, you'll have a week where you've put out a certain amount of content and it's hard not to think how much more effort you could have put in if you didn't have, you know, this other job that you needed, you know, um... But you know, that's just that's just the sad reality of, of having to make it your own way, I guess. And yeah. I think that one of the other things there is you're probably going to be eating into your own holiday leave sometimes as well um, to do things like this and to like have an entire weekend. And if you don't, you are going to regret it. Absolutely, like three days. We're going to be walking around for three days. You know, if you're on your feet for three days, it's going to kill you. Doesn't matter what shoes you wear. So you have to give yourself breaks as well. Like, I'm, I'm going uh, to the States over Christmas for, like, the first holiday I've had in ages. And so my girlfriend just finished a five-year degree, and she's looking forward to this huge break. And there's part of me that's going, oh, you know, this is an op- like, there's going to be this game studio in this city, and there's this thing in this city. And so there's part of me that's like, mm-hmm, it's going to be five weeks when I'm not doing the show. Can I get any content out of it? And you just kind of, I feel like you have to 
force yourself to stop sometimes and take yeah, breaks because it, you do because like it, you get you have to get used to the fact that anytime you're not doing anything you have this constant guilt that you should be pouring pouring that time and effort into your passion and it's a really difficult thing to reconcile because um, like if you don't give yourself breaks then what you make will probably be less quality than it could be I mean, I, sorry, I, I think from our perspective, like, um, I do a lot of, of work for Save Game, but I also have a fantastic team of writers who write for me. Um, we do make money from Save Game, we do pay our writers, and I think what's really important is to realise that you don't have to do everything yourself. Um, you, you build up a, a, a solid team of writers, you invest in them, you, you, you help them with their writing, and um, you hope that they're, by writing for you and for getting that experience, they can move on to other things if they want to. But I guess uh, uh, the point is, don't feel like you have to do everything yourself. Um, create a, a community around yourself. Uh, find some fantastic writers, help them out, uh, and then sort of pay it back. It was like earlier in the year, um, I had to go down to Melbourne for um, just like a little family get together. You're in Melbourne now. Oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, the, the, the constant thing that was in the back of my mind was oh, I really should put some articles together. The site really hasn't been going, or just, yeah, just trying to keep the site a bit more fresh. but yeah, like Koshi and the guys were just saying to me, just, yeah, don't worry about it, just you know, enjoy yourself a bit in Melbourne and just, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chuck a few things up. And yeah, you, sometimes you do have to distance yourself just a little bit so you can have a, you know, a bit more of a holiday. Life. Yeah, a holiday, yeah, yeah, true. Oh, that'd be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's all we've got time for. Um, I don't want to make our great uh, panel leader at the back there very angry. So if everyone would just like to clap beats panelists. Yeah. Because they've all been awesome and uh, making sure that we don't sound like out of track, which is fantastic. And thank you all for, yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks. listening to us banter about stuff and me being random. <laughs>